Olsen fakes it for Pat and yes, touchdown to Greg Olsen. Wilson just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello, welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. It's been a while. This is Brian, joined by John. Brad, unfortunately, can't make it tonight, but he has a very good reason for it, and we hope that things are going well with him. So, John, how are you doing today? I'm good. Football's back, kind of. Kind of. Storylines are back. Yeah, storylines are back. Um, You know, we're getting Twitter posts all the time, Twitter clips of uh, people making plays. We're getting tweets about how so-and-so made an interception in practice and how so-and-so looks really good in seven-on-seven drills and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just the hype's back. It's, it's The machine is back. in full gear. And I think part of it after the last year is just that people are just trying to, like, get back towards a sense of normalcy. And one of those normal things is people overhyping <laughs> young guys. So I get that. I get it. I'm happy that we get we have something to talk about again finally. Um so yeah, the Panthers went to training camp this week, and uh, they did some stuff. For they, my, uh, go ahead. With the Panthers being at training camp, before we talk about like actual football stuff, did you see all like you know the interests and stuff? I did not. Okay, well, there is only one comment I had to make on it, but you know how it's always a big deal when it's like, oh, look at all the players arriving to training camp, um, with all of their, with all of their belongings and yeah. uh whatever snazzy rides they show up in and stuff um morgan fox i think it was showed up with a fan and i was like ah so relatable because i would also need to show up with like a big fan to make noise for me to sleep so that was, <laughs> made me made me a a slightly bigger fan of morgan fox because yeah. he <laughs> relate to the because i'm like the guy that like goes if i go like on a road trip where i drive and i stay in a hotel i'm like the guy like carrying my box fan through the hotel lobby so i can sleep yeah, I don't sleep very well in a new setting, at least on the first night. So that's something where I, I can relate with that as well. Um, yeah. And I do like having a fan on me. And, and it's hot there in you know, Spartanburg. So, you know. <laughs> They're sleeping in dorms. Yeah. Also, there's I, the concept of these like millionaire professional football. Large men that are millionaires are going to be like staying in a college dorm for the next few weeks and not even just like any college it's Wofford like no offense to Wofford but it's like it's Wofford mm-hmm. yeah it's a tiny school yeah. like I think that if they like if they could go to like UNC or like even Duke they'd probably have a better experience but instead they gotta hang out with <laughs> Brenton Burson's with Brenton Burson's uh, relatives so aside from Jerry yeah. Richardson I'm sure he doesn't show up very much <laughs> But, <laughs> um, so the biggest thing about training camp every year is that, and especially with the Panthers, um, is most teams don't have every position group figured out. Like we're not the, most teams are not the Buccaneers where they returned every starter they had after a Super Bowl winning season. A lot of times, uh, there's position groups where. It's not necessarily that they're bad. It's just there's a lot of competition there. And uh, for Carolina, the number one thing that I've been seeing throughout the offseason, a lot of the the interaction and discourse I've seen on Twitter 
has been about the offensive line. I don't think that surprises anybody. Carolina waited until the third round to draft a tackle, and they've needed left tackle since Jordan Gross and the one year that they had Michael Ower as a passable left tackle. Um, they signed a couple veterans this year. They draft some guys. So that appears to be the biggest position um, that, or the biggest position group, I should say, that training camp will have an effect on. Uh, what what are your thoughts, John? So, so I, contrary to, I guess, everybody else, the offensive line is probably the off position group on offense. Uh, I know offensive line is it encompasses a lot of things is probably what I'm paying attention to like the least. Um, I know we have, like, I think like the right side is pretty much set in the center and center, but even if there are like shakeups or people show out or don't perform well and stuff like offensive line is such a fluid position group because of how, uh, how like much exposure there is to injuries. And then like, just, you know, your your right guard gets hurt and then your like left guard has to shift to right guard and then your backup left guard comes in or like you know your right tackle gets hurt your right guard becomes your right tackle and your left guard you know everybody's like moving around so uh the fact that that like that kind of fact makes me not really care too much how it like the depth chart shakes out because yeah, yeah because like and I said this to you before the show like even no matter who like wins each job, each spot on the offensive line, like there's a decent chance that we don't even make it to the start of the regular season with everybody ready to play those spots. Right. And there's almost 0% chance that we get even like halfway through the season without a lot of people, like a lot of moving parts in that line. So like, it's good to hear that they're playing well. And like, you know, you want to hear stuff, especially like the young guys are playing well, but otherwise it's just kind of like, whatever, like it'll let the, let the chips fall away. They may, and I have one other take on offensive line in general um, in terms of like the overall panic that people have towards it. Um, there are three like universal truths that every football player or every football fan believes. And I think I've said this on here before. Uh, one, the uh, commentators hate my team, my favorite team, like Joe Buck hates my favorite team. Mm -hmm. uh, two, the other team would get a lot more sacks if the uh, referees would just call holding like they're supposed to. And three, our offensive line needs help. So I think I don't think the Panthers are like in a uniquely poor situation with the offensive line. So for that for that for those reasons, it's kind of like a secondary thing to follow for me. Yeah, I mean I, I do get why where the interest is at with it. Um the thing that sucks about it is like the offensive line really across the board in the NFL, aside from a, a select couple, maybe three teams, four teams have an offensive line where like every position you can, you can feel comfortable about it mm -hmm. um, because the defensive lines are the, the, the athletes that could play offensive line in this day and age typically end up playing on the defensive line. Cause you're more likely to get paid there. Like yeah. unless, unless a top tier, unless you're a top tier offensive guard or top tier center, on the interior, you're probably not going to get paid. We're on the defensive line, you know, as long as you like you're producing as like a top tier interior defensive lineman, you can get fucking paid doing that. Yeah. And uh, the offensive tackles, I mean, like aside from, you know, guys like Taylor Moten on the right side where they're like 
top of the league as far as that position goes or on the left side, your top tier left tackles, like they get, they don't really get paid that much where like on the defensive line, you know, you can be Jadavian Clowney and still getting like 10 to $12 million a year or somewhere in that range, even without the production that you would expect from a guy making that kind of money yeah. just because it's on the defensive line. So yeah, I get that. Um, the big thing that's been being discussed is what we're going to do about left and left tackle. Um, one of the ideas that's been being floated is putting Taylor Moten there. And I don't get that because I think he played left tackle once, um, maybe a second time, but he's never done it like for a sustained period of time. He played left tackle against the Cowboys in 2018. Um, other than that, he's always played right tackle. He's always been really good at it. And, like, I think this idea that, like, you need to have, like, your best pass protector at left tackle is a little overblown when it comes to, like, someone like Taylor Moten where he's been on the right side of the line his entire career and he's done well at it because, I mean, like, for example, Brian Burns. I mean, he he's rushed from all over the field for the Panthers. Like, so – Obviously, he's rushed from the left side, too, but, like, there's a lot of pass rushers that come from the right side because the F- the NFL is now so passing heavy. So, like, I don't like the idea of taking him out of his element because I forget who said this, but, like, they basically said, like, play- like, switching from right tackle to left tackle is, like, taking a shit but changing what hand you use to wipe. It's, like... <laughs> weird you know that's definitely the best analogy that that person could have come up with yeah but i yeah but i agree with all of what you're saying like if he's good at right tackle keep him at right tackle like i think the thing is like you said with brian burns and everybody does this is like i think in the past like when all these positional archetypes we kind of develop were developing teams are a lot more rigid with how they use players and formations and stuff like that um, where you have like, you know, the prototypical left tackle, prototypical right tackle, like your right end is like your pass rushing end, your left end is your run stopping, your run stopper. Like nobody does that anymore. Like teams just try to like move people around to make advantages. If you put your best pass blocker on the left side, the other team is just gonna put their best pass rusher on the right side. Like what are you gonna do? And then what? Like help. Yeah. And on top of that, like the only argument that you can make really is that the left side obviously is most likely your quarterback's blind side. So that, yeah, which has a slight increase in value, but, but at the same time, like in the, in the NFL these days too, like your tight ends are not like, you know, you're basically like 30 pounds short of an offensive tackle type tight ends. They're, they're athletic. I mean, Greg Olson used to move all over the place as like a, Mm -hmm as a chip blocker and stuff like that. And that helps, that helps out a little bit with stuff like that. Um, I guess the big problem then is that if obviously if the Panthers go with what I think they should do, which is keep Taylor Moat on the right side, mm-hmm. what are you doing about left tackle? Because right now the guy that I have slated to at least be starting the beginning of the year is Cam Irving. And mm-hmm. that's an unpopular opinion with Carolina fans. Cause they think that uh Brady Christensen, the uh, third round pick they made this year out of BYU who has notoriously short arms, if you haven't been on Twitter recently. <laughs> um, and they're not that short, but for an offensive tackle, they are short for, for your prototypical left tackle. Um, a lot of Panthers fans want him starting there, but my my thought process on that is, okay, Cam Irving has played on, a, on an NFL offensive line 
many times in his career. He hasn't always played left tackle, but he has played there. He's played at center. He's played at right tackle. He's played as a swing. He's typically your in your ideal situation. He's your swing tackle. So you put him there, you put a rookie coming off a, th- a rookie third round pick who played at BYU, who wasn't exactly facing NFL talent every week there. It's like, I feel like either way, you're going to be wrong. Like he's going to look, whoever that you put there is going to look like shit in the beginning. Um, yeah. And then Trent Scott's another name being thrown around there. And like, yeah, that could work, I guess. Cause he wasn't completely horrible last year for Carolina, <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like pushing Brady Christensen right into the starting job is a horrible idea. Like, cause then you're, it's... cause, because you're putting a guy who doesn't who has doesn't have the the experience the speed of the NFL there and you might just completely wreck his confidence in year 1. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same thing uh that happens every year where people before like rookies are their best before they've played because everybody only like envisions the best out of them and we everybody kind of forgets like what round they like like how valuable they were. And he's a third round pick. Like if he was a starting caliber off of like a day one starting caliber tackle, left tackle, he does not go in the third round. And I mean, obviously people could be wrong, but like that's that would be an anomaly, an anomaly, and you're like you hope for it, but you shouldn't be like expecting it or counting on it because that's not how. Like like I said, like, like I said, there's no way he's a third round pick if he is like what people think he are wanting him to be, like a starting left tackle out of out of the gate. Like that's a first round pick. <clears throat> right. And another point too with him is that Matt Rule has made the point to say that he thinks he can play all over the offensive line. So it's like great, mm-hmm. put him where you think he's gonna be most successful. Yeah. Like I don't I don't get where why you would pigeonhole him into left tackle right now if you don't feel like he's ready. Um, I think that's having what, uh, sorry, that's a, that's a fan. It's definitely like a fans a fan thing. Like yeah. everybody just wants like a franchise long term left tackle. So like anybody that gets brought in is going to be like put into that role. Like maybe this is the guy, and it's like yes, yeah, maybe he'll be fine. And let's not forget, Amini Silatolu played left tackle in college. So yeah. let's not let's not just let's let's not just look at it that he played left tackle and say, okay, well that's where he translates to the NFL. I mean, Amini Silatolu didn't really translate anywhere in the NFL, and he played no. left tackle in college. Granted, he was Division two, but still, like he was even like Division three or something. He was, but yeah, yeah, it's the same concept though. Like playing left tackle against a significantly lower level of competition does not mean that you're a left tackle in the NFL. And we're not saying that he can't be a left tackle in the no, NFL. We're not just at all. saying taper your expectations and let let Cam Irving, I mean Cam Irving's not going to be anything of consequence. Like even if he sucks this year, he'll probably be gone in 2 years. Even if he's like kind of good this year, he'll probably be gone in 2 years. Like Yeah. Let him take those lumps. Fuck it. Why not? Or Trent yeah. Scott, I mean, you're just getting a high return on your very significantly low investment. Like, you know, mm-hmm. where, where Brady Christensen, like, they they actively targeted him in the draft. I believe he was going to be the pick if Terrace Marshall wasn't there in the second round. So it's like, you know, let the guy just uh, marinate a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good. he'll get there. Like, and oh, maybe. I mean, he doesn't. Who cares? 
Um, yep. but it if it's if he does get there, it's very very unlikely. It's day one. Yes. And uh, the second position that I'd like to talk about is, well, it's more than one, but uh, the secondary. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the Panthers made a pretty big investment in J.C. Horn, so that was nice. Uh, they also mm-hmm. grabbed A.J. Boye. Dante Jackson's on a career year. Um, at safety, it sounds like Jeremy Chin will most likely be the full-time starting strong safety, though where he actually plays on the field may vary because he's a very versatile piece uh, just on Burris at free safety. So, I mean, on paper, looking at it, I mean, this is the strongest secondary Carolina's had since uh, I would say 2015. Um, however, you have to figure out whether you can trust Dante Jackson and whether or not Boye is still relevant or whether he's kind of on the downslide of his career. So that's going to be interesting. And I've seen, and obviously this is just training camp where the quarterbacks are encouraged to be more aggressive because it's reps for the receiver and it's reps for the corner as well. Um, But I've seen a couple of tweets about Stanley Thomas Oliver, who was, I think a seventh round pick for the Panthers last year. He had a couple of good plays. Um, They also mentioned, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, they mentioned Kenny Phillips today. He was the safety they drafted in like the fifth round last year. Kenny um, Robinson. Kenny or Kenny the, Robinson. That's correct. yeah. The, yep. the pro the professional safety that we drafted. Yes, the one who played in the uh, uh, that was the XFL or the AAF. The AAF. Yeah. AAF. Yeah. Um, who was the other guy they drafted last year? Though? Why can't I remember his name? It was the Troy Pride. Troy Pride. That's it. Yeah. Troy Pride popped up on a couple tweets as well. So. Those back-end guys are certainly making a play for it, and uh, you kind of have to make a decision with Dante Jackson this year because this is his last year, and he spent all most of last year battling turf toe. So uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the secondary, John? Well, it was it was the XFL. We were, we were oh, it was the XFL. Team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the secondary? Um, well, so Bouye suspended for the first. Is it two games or four games? I think it's just two. So he obviously won't that. start, but... Um, I think, I mean, I'm obviously would be excited to hear like JC Horn showing up. That always though comes with a grain of salt because like whenever anybody's playing well in camp, it means like other, the other side is not. So it's like, yeah, JC Horn is shutting down like DJ Moore. It's like, well, then should I be worried about DJ Moore or is JC Horn that good? Um, But um, I think you would like to hear JC Horn, you know, obviously like he's playing well, especially against like the veterans. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised or concerned if there are like growing pains because playing cornerback in the NFL is hard and that position tends to take a little bit of time before guys are like reliable like plays the guys like guys can make plays as rookies but like you know it'll, it might take a year or two for them to become like you know like game over game play over play shutdown corners so I, I wouldn't be cons- the only I think with J C Horn if he's getting like rave reviews, he's ahead of schedule. And if he's not, then it's just kind of like expected based on his position. Um, I will, I will say that um, I haven't heard a lot about JC Horn, at least, well, it's only been one day of training camp, but um, at least as of the recording of this podcast. Um, but I will say, I think it was Darren Gant, but it might've been Joe Pearson, but it was someone who's been around for a long time in Carolina. And they were like, this dude's athleticism is legit. So, mm-hmm. That's yeah, always so that's, promising. Yeah, I mean, it's 
I mean, it's a cornerback. You would hope like athletic, that might be the most, that position might require more athleticism than anybody else on the field. So that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of why they drafted him over uh, Patrick Sertain. It's because Mm -hmm. he's just a freak athlete according to the measurables. So yeah, I guess we'll see, but um, for my, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, the, did you have some more stuff about the secondary? I was just going to say, I mean, like, for me, I'm not super worried about it just because, like, they did moderately okay last year, and all they've done is add a mm. decent amount of pieces this year. And obvious, and I think that Justin Burris is a lot better than people are giving him credit for. So that's all yeah. I'm saying, though. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think the secondary is fine. Um, and I don't really think there's much in the way of, like, positional battles there. Like, no. I think, yeah, I think like Chin and Burroughs are the starting safeties. Jackson, Horn, and Bouye are going to be the top three corners, most likely, um, in some capacity out of the gate. And then, you know, other the, the rest will kind of fall into place behind that. Um, my, my kind of position that I'm looking at that I actually think is the most intriguing is tight end. Yeah, I would agree with that. So Ian Thomas is not looking like he's gonna is living. He's obviously not lived up to expectations, um, at all. And so like you know the Panthers drafted Tommy Trimble, who's like a blocking tight end who has like some promise as a pass catcher. And then Dan Arnold, I think, is better than people realize. He had 400 yards and four touchdowns last year, playing in like a spread offense under Cliff Kingsbury. That was probably not a well coached spread offense at that. So, and he's still young too. Like he's only 26. So like, I'm interested to see, I don't like, I would be very surprised if Ian Thomas comes out as like the starter and I would probably, and I wouldn't be surprised if he like doesn't even make the team. So I'm kind of interested to see like how Tommy Trimble, like how quickly he catches on. Cause again, with tight ends, you don't tend to see a lot of production out of rookies. And I'm kind of one, I'm kind of interested to see like how that depth chart shakes out. Like one, like, you know, who's the top, who end up being the top three, guys if it doesn't end up being arnold thomas and trimble or if like colin thompson who kind of hung around last year ends up hanging around and uh ian thomas gets out goes out the door yeah thompson got a decent amount of playing time last year despite being like not really what you'd consider a prototypical nfl tight end so he's got familiarity with matt mm-hmm. rule um yeah, he showed I, up in, he appeared in 15 games yeah he did i, I think he even caught a touchdown too um <laughs> I think it was the only catch he made, but I'm pretty sure it was a touchdown. Um, was it? it was. He caught a set one catch on two targets for seven yards and a touchdown. Yep. Um, I think that Ian Thomas is someone that should make the roster, but I think it kind of depends on what the Panthers do with their running back and fullback situation. Because, Which is also interesting, yeah. Because theoretically, if Tommy Tremble like at least progresses into what you would think he can be in the short term. As far as a blocker goes, he could just play fullback a lot or play in a similar role to fullback blocking as like an H back. Um, Mm -hmm. So in that, in that scenario, I could see them retaining him. I could see them retaining Arnold. Well, they're going to retain Arnold. He's going to, he's probably going to be the starter. I don't see any reason why he won't be. Um, He had some good years with the saints, you know, he had a pretty good year with the Cardinals, despite them having like a ton of weapons to throw to. Um, so like Thomas could stick around. It's 
it's just kind of a matter of what happens with the running backs at that point. Cause they, they, they have Chuba Hubbard. He's going to stick around. Um, Reggie Bonifon was unfortunately hurt last year. So it's one of those things where it's like, he was a decent backup to Christian McCaffrey before that. And then, you know, they have other running backs that they like, um, Trenton Cannon, apparently they've been using him as a wide receiver, at least in the first group of, of, uh, in the first mini camp stuff or training camp stuff, because he is super fucking fast. So <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, okay, where, where are you going to retain the talent? Where are you going to try to stash him? Cause I, I don't know if you have to really worry about like, if you wave Ian Thomas, do you think another team is going to pick him up? So it's just one of those situations where kind of have to roll the dice, I guess. And, figure out who you want to, who you need to keep and who you can afford to let go. So, yeah, I do think the running back position is also really interesting. Um, I think we know who's going to start and get almost all the snaps, but um, Roddy Smith kind of acquitted himself pretty well last year, even though he wasn't terribly efficient. And then Reggie Bonif and then uh, Chuba Hubbard seems to be a safe bet to make the roster because he's a pretty high investment for a running back as a backup. So it kind of is like, and then Trenton Cannon, with this, the athleticism and the kick returning, like Trenton Cannon, Reggie Bonifon, and Rodney Smith, like I don't know if they can keep all of them. Like, how do they kind of manage that? And where they, who you know, who doesn't, who doesn't, who can't stick around, or do they try to keep like Rodney Smith or Cannon? Well, I guess Rodney Smith would be the only real like practice squad candidate because Trenton Cannon and uh, Reggie Bonifon have been around for a while. Yeah, I mean Bonifon, Bonifon makes sense to stick around. Um, I think they still have the expanded practice squad rules this year, so I think they could yeah, they theoretically do. stash one of those two guys away. And I guess they probably get a veteran, and they still have the two like veteran spots, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I think they still have that. So or three or whatever it is. Yeah, I I will say I don't. Yeah, Chuba Hubbard I think is about as safe as Christian McCaffrey to make the roster, considering Matt Rule's <laughs> wife was the one who was like, "Hey, you need to draft this guy." So. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, and you also probably it's. I mean, not that this should influence decision making, but it wouldn't be a great look to pick a backup running back in the fourth round, which is very high for a backup running back, and then them not make the team. Right. Like the internet would go. Well, the internet would explode. At least the Panthers' internet, all mm-hmm. like five thousand of them. But yeah. Um. <laughs> do you do you <laughs> have any faith in in Mason? I don't even know how to say his last name. Uh, low man trophy winner Mason Stokey. Mason, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's not like it's not like they've assembled like a high tier talent roster yet, but I think they have enough people. I think they have enough guys where it's like, okay, we should wait and see what we can get out of them that you don't really take a chance on somebody like that unless they really show out. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if he'll get the opportunity to. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, fullbacks probably aren't going to be getting a whole lot of reps. I mean, this offense is really – I guess we did a little bit, but I think I think in, a, in an ideal world, you don't spend a roster spot on a fullback and Tommy Trimble does that, like you alluded to earlier. Yeah, and I don't even know if he can because it's not something he, – he was a tight end slash – H-back, which H-back is not really something the NFL uses a whole lot, mm-hmm. where fullback is kind of a different skill set because you're more often than not blocking interior people, where I don't know if Tommy Tremble was necessarily doing that or more blocking off the edges as an H-back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think that if you have the trust in him, you would kind of give him that opportunity and maybe just like let a guy like Colin Thompson also play fullback if uh, you need yeah. him to do that. So I don't know. We'll see. Matt Rule clearly likes versatility, so he's going to definitely being a versatile guy is going to keep you around more. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I'm a little disappointed in is that Carolina didn't really do a whole lot to address kicker when. Uh, now we got Joey Sly. We're fine. Oh yeah, I forgot guy who <laughs> guy who has a sixty percent chance of making an extra point. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that sounds about right. But it's Joey Sly's cool though, and I keeping Joey Sly around means that like every other week we're gonna see Matt Rule try to kick a sixty-five yard field goal, and that's always fun. That is true. Eventually, he's gonna break that record. So. <laughs> That uh, rule is just looking that. for opportunities to kick a, a record-breaking field goal and failing. Yeah. I mean, fuck but, it. Why not? You are already – you pretty much knew the season was over at after a certain point, so fuck oh, it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. The last other – and I guess we're kind of touched on almost everything. I think – I guess before I do this, the, the front seven's pretty much set, I think, right? Like, on defense. Um, backup linebackers, I guess, are kind of like – Subject to change, but other than that, I think everybody kind of knows who's going to be where. Um, how many wide receivers do they do you think they keep? Because it's usually like six or seven, and I think that seventh spot, if there is one, is probably where it gets interesting, right? Like, does Camp MVP fan favorite Omar Bayless make the team, or is probably it like, not. yeah, I don't think so either. But it's probably what. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably both of the Moores, Anderson, Brandon Zilstra, Shy Smith, and then somebody from that last group, right? Like Keith Kirkwood or Omar Bayless or Micah Simon or something like that. Supposedly Maybe that's probably Keith, supposedly Keith Kirkwood looked pretty good today in, in a seven on seven. Um Yeah, and I know we really liked him and he was like a good he had, he produced decently well for the Saints in that one year. I don't know he's been plagued by injuries, but like there is a, like something there. Oh yeah, definitely. I would say so. Um, the other person we mentioned him earlier would be Trenton Cannon. How he would factor into that because if they decide yeah. to retain him as a running back, um, he would. If the unless they're just like being like fuck it, let's see what he can do at receiver. Like if they actually think he can contribute at wide receiver, then you might be able to lock up that sixth position that sixth wide receiver and that third or fourth running back mm-hmm. with the same guy so yeah and i think that's important to about positional like fluidity i guess mm-hmm. where you don't necessarily have seven wide receivers and five running backs or like yeah four running backs like you could have three like mccaffrey hubbard and hubbard and bonifon as your running backs and then also cannon who can play running back and play wide receiver Kind of like we did with Curtis Samuel last year. I think he also returned kicks for us last year too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he he had one. They almost took it to the house. So there's <laughs> yeah, room so, for the there's room on the roster for somebody like that. You can make room for him. So I know kick returns are a vital part of the NFL nowadays. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did. A, he had a 98 yard return last year. It's it's really funny looking at a stat, seeing a long of 98 and zero touchdowns. So yeah, that poor guy. <laughs> It's fine. Give him another. Give him another chance. The one thing too, um, with the wide receivers is, I'm not really sure what happens with Robbie Anderson after this year. So I kind of feel like they are part. Like they signed a wide receiver today, and granted, um, you know that's something that happens a lot during 
training camp because there's no real risk to bringing a guy in for a couple practices and seeing what they can do. But I think they need to be, I think they are evaluating the guys that they have and can have to see if they can let Robbie Anderson walk next year. Cause uh, theoretically, I mean, DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall, if Terrace Marshall is what is, what is advertised, then you can let Robbie Anderson walk yeah. without much of a fuss, but you got to have that third and fourth receiver then figured out too. So. Yeah, and maybe like Shy Smith becomes like a slot guy, or Brandon Zilstra completes the development and has a couple years as a decent like depth wide receiver or something like that. And then always there's always like other free agency or draft picks to go to to use to kind of keep churning through that talent. Yeah, Shy Smith, um, they've liked him since uh, the Senior Bowl. Um, apparently that was yeah. the main reason why they drafted him. And apparently today he was like the biggest uh, show out in practice. He had a nice, really one. He had a really nice one handed catch. So there you go. Starting hey. wide receiver. Maybe Starting Robbie Anderson. Receiver. Maybe we don't even need Robbie Anderson this year. Yeah. Maybe we can just cut him. Yeah. Get that, Save get some that cap, cap space. space back. Yeah. Get cap space for the regular season. The valuable mid season cap space. Hey, you can roll that over, John. Let's not forget <laughs> don't you have that. To, don't you have to like, designate rollover money like before the season though? I don't know. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can roll over any any cap you had left over, but I don't know. I, I can't imagine it just goes nowhere. But well, no. I mean, it could. It's 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 all it's all an arbitrarily. De- I mean, arbitrarily decided uh, artificial cap on spending that is also like not representative of the, uh, representative of the actual amount of money being spent. So they can talk and do whatever they want. But true, somebody's cap hit may not. Cap hits are oh, so it, funny like that. Like I know. Like, oh, well, he's got a dead cap of like $25 million, but we paid him that already. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, like the signing bonuses of like, uh, you know, a player. We paid this guy. We gave this guy $80 million this year, but he only counts for $10 million against our cap because we're spreading the signing bonus out across the life of the contract. So in four years, we're paying $8 million against salary cap of money that's already paid in real money. Yeah, I mean they did that with Taylor Moten this year. Taylor Moten's cap hits only four million, and he just signed a monster contract. Yeah, NFL contracts are so stupid. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so like dumb. with like the guarantees and the signing bonus and stuff, and like, yeah, it's just like the, you, nobody has ever. I mean, in recent years, nobody ever signs an NFL contractation that anything close to that contract is going to be completed. No, not unless you're a quarterback. And, and even, even then, then though, they restructure at different points. And, uh, and then, so it's either, you're either going to get cut before the end of it. Cause you're too expensive or you're going to have to restructure like over and over and over again until you become too expensive. And then you get cut. Like that is the life of an NFL contract. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> did you see, I know we're getting off the rails here, but did you see his press conference today? Oh, his press right, conference was great. And before we <laughs> before we get into that, I, I think we've covered for the most part all the Panther yeah. stuff we can as of right now. But yeah, yeah, his uh, his press conference was awesome. Um, I only saw the one little clip where he's like, you know, I love the fans, I love this team, I love. He's like, I love this team, I love this org, I love the fans. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like that's. No, I mean, I mean he didn't pull punches. Like I, yeah. he did it in a respectful way. Like I didn't think he was like trashing the team as much. He was just basically stating facts and uh but yeah he didn't hold back like uh 
he spent a solid like five to 10 minutes after the first question, just like airing all his grievances. And I thought that was like really refreshing. Cause like, oh, I need to see that. I didn't watch all of it. I just saw that one. Oh, clip. it's a, it's great. Like, uh, he talked about Hunter. Or it's, I don't think it's Hunter Renfro, but it was somebody. No, no. Cause he plays for the Raiders. Um, yeah, no, it was a receiver that the Packers had in camp where Rogers felt he was the second best receiver in all of camp. And the Packers cut him without even talking to Rogers about it. Uh, I know went, who I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and Jake, then he went it's to the, Jay Kumaro, the white guy. Yeah, Kumaro, that's it. Yep, yeah, Kumaro. Um, and then he went to the Bills, and he had a relatively successful 2020. Um, and Rogers was just like, you know, maybe run that by me, and I'll convince you <laughs> otherwise. And it's like, damn, like, yeah. No, I remember that. Was, like fantasy football sleeper because it was like this is Aaron Rodgers like favorite guy in camp so he might get some he might get a lot of looks when the re- when the regular season rolls around and then he just like didn't make the team yeah and you even looked at the other receivers they had and like None of they weren't were really all that good like <laughs> like Devontae Adams was okay or De- well, okay. he's, he's really good no he's like very good I, I, <laughs> yeah but like then they had like Geronimo Allison he's not even with the team anymore um Marquez Valdez Scantling is bad. Yeah. Adam Lazard like looks good, but it's he's not that good. Yeah, it's almost like Cam Newton's like group of receivers for a long time. And then um, they go and draft like a running like a third string running back in the second round a couple years ago. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. even who doesn't even offer like pass catching versatility and stuff. No. It was it was not good. And my I think my favorite one, which was something that kind of opened at least some of the people's pe- people's uh, eyes that I talked to about how the inner workings of an NFL team work. Like Rogers basically was like, Hey, so people don't really want to come to green Bay. Like it's not like a vacation or like yeah. a dream spot to land. Like, you know, it's fucking cold as hell in, in the winter <laughs> in the winter and like the fall where like, you know, Tampa Bay, like Tom Brady obviously is a selling point, but you know, it's also in Florida where you can be in Florida. But yeah. Rogers was like, people are coming to Green Bay to play with me, and I wasn't involved in like any of their free agent negotiations. And I'm just like, wow. He's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like that's that's he's not wrong. No, like I mean, anybody who hated on Rogers for his decisions after that press conference, they should definitely at least understand where he's coming from and why he did what he did. Yeah, yeah. Like why? Like where his grievances are? To use your to use your word. It's okay though. We have Sam Darnold. He doesn't have a. He doesn't. He needs at least like five or six years before he can have any kind of pull like that. So we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, when he's he'll eventually be Aaron Rodgers level, but not yet. So we don't. Worry. Yet. We don't have to worry 24. about him forcing. We don't have to worry about him forcing his way out of Carolina yet. Yeah, he's only he's only twenty four. I mean, yeah, yeah, like thirteen more years. Yeah. Easily, and he'll definitely <laughs> be here for those thirteen years. Oh, for sure. Like winning, yes. winning Super Bowls, going to Pro Bowls, maybe winning an MVP or two. I'm going to laugh when like we look back on this in like four years and we're like, damn, he actually turned out pretty good. Shit. <laughs> oh, that's the last thing with the Panthers to, to bring it full circle. Uh, I'm excited. I don't know if that's the right word. It's probably the opposite of the word of the actual word I'm feeling uh, that we're going to get reports about how Sam Darnold is looking and, and none of it's going to matter. Like he's either like, I, I would be, no, I would be no more surprised if he has reports out of camp that he looks fantastic and then he bombs the regular season 
or he's bombing camp and he ends up coming out and playing really well in the regular season. Like I, it just, it is just like, there's no, no telling where it's going to go, but I, but wherever it goes, I do know. The only thing I do know is that people are going to overreact to whatever's coming out of camp. Oh yeah. I mean, we're already seeing the who threw that tweets. Yeah. There's a pick, <laughs> <know>. So yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, I'm so glad that this corner is playing well. It's like, yeah, but who's the quarterback throwing all the interceptions? Like, that's what's so hard about getting excited about what happens in training camp. Yeah, and again, like I touched on earlier, like they're encouraged to be more aggressive in camp because it doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Like, yeah, he could throw eleven interceptions in camp, and granted, the media might be like, hey, this happened, and then you know, social media will be pissed about it. But like, ultimately, come week one, those eleven picks do not matter. So it's nope. like, yeah, you know. It is what it is. I will say I watched a little bit of Sam Darnold um, with the Jets just to see what I, if I could glean anything from it. And uh, that dude was running for his life so much, man. Like <laughs> I know, seeing you seeing ghosts. Yeah, and like there were times where like he was like, I was kind of amazed at how at how like he got away from pressure when the offensive line was collapsing around him. Like, and uh, he would make a really nice throw, and I'd be like, damn, all right. <laughs> but it's kind of hard to really gauge where he's going to go. I mean, like there was a, tw- a tweet that I was reading today um, from an article from the athletic. And then there was a former GM who said, you know, I was always skeptical of Dem- Sam Darnold even before he was drafted, because it just seemed like Andy quoted really bad shit happened when he had the ball in his hands. <laughs> it's just like, I can't tell why it just seems like nothing is going well. Yeah. But then, <laughs> The the very next sentence is a new a current GM said that they preferred Sam Darnold over Daniel Jones because Sam Darnold gets the ball out faster. So I'm like, what am I supposed to? How am I supposed to like? What? <laughs> I know, I know. Like, okay, so in one hand he's a he's a disaster. In other hand, it's like he's better than the guy the Giants have pegged to be their franchise quarterback. Like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just hope that he is more aggressive than Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, that's my, that's my goal for him this year. It's just, I just want to see him chucking the ball downfield because they have DJ Moore, they have Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, Dan Arnold. Like, you know, they have a pretty good group of weapons around him. He's going to have Christian McCaffrey to check down to anytime he wants. So like, I just want to see the guy fling the ball down the field a little bit. Like really all I'm, I'm asking for. Well, way to set the bar really, really low. Well, I mean, I've set the bar high for people before, and I've been disappointed because I'm a Panthers fan. So, you know. yeah, you're learning. Yeah. Ever since that Chicago loss, man, 2017 it was, or 2018 when Mitch Trubisky won after throwing like 69 yards passing. Like, no, <laughs> there is no setting the bar high for me anymore. It's not possible. Yep. That's how it goes. Yep. But, but I uh, think. I- yeah, go ahead. I think I think it's time to wrap it up. I think we've covered everything from the Yeah, I think so too. Um beginning of camp. We'll be back when more stuff happens. Yeah, there'll be more stuff that happens. I'm sure there'll be injuries. I'm sure we'll have a lot of uh fun clips to watch on social media, which by the way, the Panthers social media team is awesome. So if you're interested in camp, follow them. Obviously follow us as well, because we're cool too, but they're very good. Um We'll have more for you later on and uh, we'll touch base as things happen and as things progress. And uh, the preseason will be coming up soon. We'll have joint practices with the Ravens and supposedly the Colts, but 
that hasn't been scheduled yet, so we'll certainly see about that. <laughs> but uh, from all of us here at the CSR podcast, this is Brian joined by John as always. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy, stay tuned. We will bring you more as we get it. Yep. See you guys.